Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 4 of Movie Rob Minute. I want to once again thank all of my guests and listeners for helping me make the past three seasons such a success. It's been a lot of fun. This season, we'll be taking a hilarious and poignant journey through the 1989 Billy Crystal Meg Ryan rom-com, When Harry Met Sally, One Minute at a Time. For anyone out there who's a little unfamiliar with the idea and premise of what an MXM podcast is, it was... Something that was originated and, uh, I guess, tweaked perfectly by uh, Alex Robinson and Pete the Retailer back in uh, 2012 when they began the Star Wars Minute, which is uh, currently on hiatus between, I think it's ninth and 10th seasons. Uh, if it wasn't for their hard work nearly a decade ago, most of us would not never be doing this. There are currently over 200 MXM podcasts as of this recording. I think the number is even closer to 250 at this point, and it is constantly growing um, because of all the the fun people who have decided to uh, get on the bandwagon. I, I want to give a quick shout out once again to all the MXMers who came before me, who have helped inspire me to do this uh, uh, insane idea of going through a movie minute by minute, which uh, uh, some people will agree that I've taken to the extreme by the way that I do things, but uh, I, I like it. And uh, hopefully everyone who's listening also enjoys it. And that's why you keep coming back. So I, I definitely appreciate that. Uh, there is a Facebook forum for all the MXXers. And I've made a lot of friends over the years with it. And they've been so helpful in all the aspects of uh, creating and uh, making this kind of show uh, work so well. Uh, personally, I also want to especially thank uh, Jake Cluett. Uh, a friend of mine for, wow, lots of years. I think we we're friends for six or seven years uh, online. Still haven't met in person. Might happen one of these days. You know, if either of us uh, leaves our country and goes to the other ones, who knows? Uh, so it's Jay Cluett of the Deep Blue Sea podcast and of the current running Con Air podcast, uh, who finally uh, convinced me to start my own show uh, after, I think he pleaded with me. I don't know if pleaded is the right word. I think he tried convincing me for about a year that it was right up my alley. And uh, I finally, uh, you know, decided. So obviously without Jay, this never would have come to fruition. So uh, thanks to Jay, wherever you are, you know, if, when you're listening to this. Um, on this season, I also want to thank uh, David Brooke for uh, composing or uh, doing a musical in 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 interlude for both the opening and closing music of this season. So thanks a lot, David. It's been really, it's really appreciated and uh you know, hopefully everyone will like the, the, the little tune that he has given us for this one. So this season we'll have uh, 19 weeks of shows that will be delivered to you every weekday from now until the beginning of mid-May. So sit back and enjoy everything in these 96 episodes as my weekly guests and I begin to dissect this hilarious classic film in minute detail, one minute at a time. So I always have a lot of things for, for my guests to, to listen to uh, during my deep dives into movies. And this, this season is no different. You know, over the next four months, we have some interesting things that we're going to be dealing with. So some of the new, some of the features that we'll have this, this, uh, this season are Meg Ryan Monday, Harry Burns Hump Day, and Weekend Romance. And uh, twice a week, we're also going to get little stories from Off the Beaten Track for the Dating and Courting Edition. So let's uh, jump right in. My guest for this week is none other than the aforementioned host of the Deep Blue Sea podcast and Conair podcast, Jay Cluett. Welcome back to another 
first episode, Jay. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Rob. And you mentioned in the intro that uh, you and I have been friends for a long time. I feel like we're going to find out whether podcast hosts and podcast guests can be friends over the course of this series. I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. As, as long as... Can I, guess I don't know. I, I think if, if there's no sex involved, I think it can work. So I think we're, we're good with that. I think we'll be, we'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. I think we're, we're good with that one. <laughs> we're quite far away. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I have to do an immediate correction. Star Wars Minute are between their 10th and 11th seasons. At the moment on hiatus They're between their 10th and 11th okay it's possible there you go so it's sorry true. alex and pete because i'm sure you're listening uh it's between their 10th and 11th seasons there you go which they're they're going to be starting up i'm the one who turned you on to their sh- I, I turned you on to their show so i feel like i have to okay correct no uh that that is completely fair i appreciate that it's 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 hard to keep up sometimes with, with the the seasons that people are on you know because uh yeah, and, and they're they're outside. or well, they're still within the numbered films, but they have the bonus ones. So like they're they're out to do the ninth film of the, the ninth of eleven, right. which is also the final uh, for one. now. So it doesn't really. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe maybe during the course of the next year, you know, which I doubt. <laughs> maybe they'll go back and do the to start from the beginning again to figure maybe out what do the Mandalorian what they, minute, you know did wrong. Uh, you know, if they, if they they you know want to try and correct themselves for maybe things that they did at the beginning or something like that. Who knows? Because I'm assuming after 11 maybe, seasons, maybe. You, you pretty much come close to perfection of, of how to do things, you know, so you can, you can look back at the beginning. That's why a lot of directors do, you know, uh, director's cuts or, you know. So I'm waiting for Deep Blue Sea 11 for my podcast to finally be going well. <laughs> <laughs> I've perfected it by then. Maybe, well, I, yours, yours is a little different. Because you know you, you keep skipping movies, you keep changing movies, so you know. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't know if well, Deep Blue Sea Four hasn't come out yet. You know, even though it was supposed to come out. Not, well, it, it might have done by the time this comes out. It, it won't have. I thought it, it was supposed have. to come out in Shark Week twenty twenty two. Yeah, it was supposed to. Yes, we were lied to by the director. I, maybe, I don't know if you say that you were lied to. I think it's. Uh... He's made a different film. Since he told us that, so. ah, is that what it is? Well, because no, but you don't know what happens behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's possible that that he was this planning on true. doing this it, and true. then they said, "Okay, we're putting it on, on hiatus." So, and then he got another job and took it. So, I you can't really blame him for that. It's or, all, or you're maybe he's lying to you. I, I, I it's don't possible, blame him at all. It's possible he's him. lying to you. He said, yeah. "You know what? I'm just going to tell Jay and and Mark that that we're going to do it, and I'm just going to go do things on my own. Who knows?" Yeah, we're watching John Pogue's yes. career with great interest yes, for sure. So episode one of of When Harry Met Sally begins with a lion, with a lion roaring. <laughs> well, okay. Happy New Year was yesterday. This is already January second. You know, everyone hopefully is is over their hangovers because their hangovers were were before the final episode of yesterday's. Uh, or actually, they might now just be listening to you and I discussing. You know, the final episode of of Die Hard. You never know. <laughs> yes, that's the right. perfect recovery. Why not? Well, listening to both of us, I think it's pretty much a, uh, a a way to get over, maybe to become sober. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> or to decide to go back and drink more. That could be also. Let's see, I'm, I'm still drinking. So. <laughs> uh, on, on January 2nd, you're still drinking. That's good. <laughs> All right. So episode one begins with a lion roaring and ends with a credit of Princess Leia. So, 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very different. For sure. For sure. For sure. <laughs> But we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yes, because you know the 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 relationship between Luke and Leia and Han and Leia, you know, completely changes when they have sex. So you know that. Oh, Bruno Kirby is Han Solo. (laughs) (laughs) I can see that, man. We don't talk about Bruno Kirby today. He's he's not going to be until tomorrow. That's tomorrow. That's That's tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, we'll get there. So I mean, basically, the the it, it opens up with the MGM Lion. You know, uh, doing his roar. You know the the great. Uh, uh, do you know how many years they've had this this line as the opening of MGM? Um, well, the studio's got to be over a hundred years old. Uh, but I'm guessing I'm guessing it's not the same lion. No, that is that is. But it's it's one of my it's one of my favorite film logos. Just to, it's it. It's one of the first ones that you kind of pick up on as a kid. Like, oh, there's a lion roar and a film's about to start. Right. It's fun. Okay, so the, the, well, the current lion that we're looking at, we'll get to in a second. But in general, there there have been 11 different lions who've been used for the MGM logo. Okay, the the, the first logo was, was uh, done in uh, 1924. Okay, they, they, I actually even have the names oh, of, of all of the... the uh, all of the different lions. Okay, there was a. How many were none? Oh, sorry, the final one. Excuse me, the uh, final one. The final one. one. There you go. There so you go. have Slats, Jackie, Numa, Telly. Hang on, Slats. Yeah. Slats for the lion. <laughs> Slats, Jackie, Numa, Telly, Coffee, Tanner, George, and then Leo was is the the lion that's that was used from 1957. Okay. In. Okay. I do like the idea of there being a casting call for yeah. lions. They're just being like 12 lions lined up <laughs> and a producer walking down the line. Like, you roar. Now you roar. Go on, trip, give, it, give us a feeling. Yeah. Do it again. <laughs> right. So, I mean, Leo has been used for 65 years. It's just unbelievable that they're using the same lion. Uh, I, I, maybe it's because of, of, you know, all the different, uh, you know, animal rights groups or whatever that they, they don't want to let you try it again. You know, I don't know. He's still looking good. <laughs> you know, he doesn't look a day over... Six. Well, uh, you can say that about uh, any anyone who's captured on film. You know, you have that with with. Oh, I I assume you did it live <laughs> each time. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the, the truth is, is that that in 1968 they tried something different. They tried using what's known as a stylized lion, which was like just a picture of a lion, but it it only appeared in like two movies. They they like hated it and got rid of it really quickly. And went back to, to using Leo. And in 2021, they introduced a CGI logo, which uses Leo. You know, they took the same pictures of Leo, and he's what's being used, uh, you know, in the CGI. Now, did you notice that there's something written over the the, the frame of, of the lion? I'm looking at it right now. It's Latin, Ars Gratia yes. Artis, but I don't know what that means. Okay. So, Ars Gracious uh, Artist means art for art's sake. Okay. Okay, which is a phrase that expresses the philosophy that the intrinsic value of art and the only true art is art itself. You know, when you when you do art, you do art for, for its own sake, not for anything else. So, yeah, I, which... I, I don't know why they chose to use that here. It's, it's... 
it's it's an odd slogan for a company to have. Yes. Because we we all know that the most people are in this for the money. Yes, they enjoy making the. It, it's good if you like what you do, uh, but films that don't make money don't tend to get made. Correct. Uh, <laughs> Uh, or they don't tend to get repeated, I should say. Right, but you can they, at least they, they get made, don't make money. They can at least say that they that in theory they are there for for the sake of art. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, art for art's sake is a, a good slogan that I I think more uh, governments should take on board. Yes. Now, fun. do you know do you know <laughs> do you know a different movie that uses that phrase and that's very prominent in the movie? Uh, every MGM film. No, uh, uh, no in, in the movie itself. Not... My, my immediate knee-jerk reaction is The Artist, uh, but other than that, I don't know. No. Here, I'll give you a hint. It's, it's, it's the name of a frat house. Um, why can't I think of the name of that? Uh, the one with Bluto. That's right. In it. The, the yeah, motto of um, Delta like... House is Arts... Gratis I can't remember the name of that film. That it's is called, in my head. It's called Animal House. Animal House, thank you. Yes. That's I'm getting old apparently. Uh it's been a long day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay. So I, I, I never would have that that's something I found I mean, like I, I've seen Animal House numerous times. I've never noticed that. You know, that, that that's the you know, it's not like Revenge of the Nerds where you know it's Lambda Lambda Lambda. You know, it's like but for the Delta House to have yeah. that as their... I, I was generally thinking of Animal House. I just couldn't think of the name. Okay. And it's nice that that's, uh, M, that's got the MGM time. And of MGM is the animal studio with the lion in the logo. Yes. So that's the animal house. That's right. Animals in the house. Yeah. And, I mean, if you if you look at the logo itself, it's got some really cool things. First of all, you know, it has the, the film script on the sides. Unspooled, yeah, yeah, like an unspooled. But uh, it, it goes around the whole. The whole thing is is the film unspooled yes, around the lion. Exactly, because yeah. you see the the, oh. the the dots on both sides, you know. So that, yeah. that's just really cool the way that they do that. Um, and then there's like a, a strange like mask or face underneath it. Yeah, it's odd to have just one. It, it looks like a joke. It looks like the you know a mask, a ski mask that that someone would wear. That just has a with like a, a, with a heart, heart for the mouth. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. You, you think they would have done the two masks of the the, the, the theatre masks, the, the happy one and the crying. One. Yeah, exactly. Maybe they couldn't uh, get the rights to it back then. Who knows? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, there have been tons of spoofs of of this uh, of this logo over the course of the years. First of all, you have on TV. Tom there's... and Jerry did one, I think. That's right. Tom and Jerry did one. Um, MTM Enterprises, which did the TV shows uh, Mary Tyler Moore, Bob Newhart Show, and a whole bunch of other things. So they did something similar with a cat. That was the MTM Enterprises. Um, okay. you, there are, uh, did you ever see the movie Strange Brew with Rick Moranis and Dave uh, Thomas? It's on my list. I haven't got to it yet. Okay, so right at the beginning, they, they, they show them you know, with the lion, and then the lion, like, burps. And then they, they fade in, and you see the two of them, like, uh, sitting there next, behind the, you know, the lion is, like, looking out of the window with the head, and the two of them are there, like, cranking the back of the, the tail or something like that. You know, so they, they use that. It's there. a shame it's not, it's a shame it's not Disney's logo, so they can have Simba in there, or, or Mufasa, or someone. True. For a parody. Or Scar. Or, uh, the, or the, um, the mayor from Zootropolis. Zootopia. Right. Now, now I know you're a Muppets fan, so the Muppets did, did a spoof yeah. of it also. Um, with 
Fozzie? I'm trying to think of the most lion-like of Muppet. Animal? Well, it was... Animal. Okay, Animal is is there in The Great Muppet Caper. Fozzie is there okay. in The Muppets Go to the okay. Movies. And also in... There's a Muppet Baby episode, which uh, also shows them. And then they have uh, Baby Animal roaring... And then uh, Gonzo's face replaces him. Okay, Gonzo not terribly lion-like, but I'm glad I got I got yes. uh, Fozzie and Animal as being the most yeah. lion-like. Why well, would you say that? No, Fozzie's a bear, though. Yes, but like a bear, a bear is closer to a lion than a frog is. One second, one second. Instance. No, but 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 what's Animal? Animal's not a frog. No, but, but Animal is like a, a furry creature, like a, and all the Muppets have felt the furry <laughs> in some way. But animal was like a creature that kind of screams and roars and uh, like ah! like a lion Which maybe. Is what the lion's doing here? Exactly, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's why I thought of him as being ah, lion like. Okay. Uh, of course, the lions play the drums. Yes, as we were. of course. Who else? Who else would play the drums besides them? Okay. Now the Marx Brothers also did spoofs of it in in their movie A Night at the, at the Opera. Okay, in the in the the beginning of the film. You see the, the one of one of the, the lions and then right afterwards you see Groucho and then Chico and they, they roar inside of the the circle. And then you uh, I was hoping it'd be a lion with yeah, Groucho. No, 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 no. And then you have Harpo uh, show up at the end and do the same, but obviously he's silent and then he honks his horn instead of having the, the roaring. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's just Yeah. Okay. Makes that's... a lot of sense. That's the way you do it. So I mean one of the things I was also looking into is is like you know, is there a set way that they do credits, you know, in, in a movie at the beginning? Like, is there, you know, obviously um, a season and a half ago, I had a conversation with, with Dana about, you know, you know, the people have it in their contract where they will be located, you know, in a, in a particular, uh, in the credits and things like that. But the question is, is there a typical type of of, uh, of of order that you go through things. So I, I did a little research on this and apparently there's a there's the traditional way that people do it, that they do have an order about the, the way that it that, that it goes. And obviously there's sometimes changes based on the union or guild requirements and things like that. But what what they they what they try to do basically is that you have it starts with the, the companies that are involved. Followed by the top billing, you know, above the line, above the, the the title or whatever it is, which are usually contractually obligated. You know, I'm assuming that in this movie, Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan had it in their contracts that they have to be above the title. I mean, that that yes, of course, no, but not every movie does it that way. You know, and then after that, they have the 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 different uh, list of of contributors to the film based on their importance. Okay, but what they do is they do it backwards. They start from the least important and then they go with the most, then they end with the most important. So a typical uh, structure would be, you know, first you'd have the distributor, the production company, which in this one is MGM. And then you have the production company that actually produces the movie, which we'll get to in a second with that, that is Castle Rock. And then it'll say a filmmaker film, you know, the, the name of either the director or producer, you know, that the type of film. And then you have the film title, the lead cast, supporting cast. Then that they follow after that with the casting director, music composer, costume designer, associate producers, editors, 
production designer, the DP, executive producer, producer, writers, and then finally the director. Obviously, you know, when you have the same person doing multiple roles, so that sometimes uh, will will change along the, the way of how they do that. And this movie pretty much does fit, fit that structure. I mean, Die Hard, when, when we went through the, the credits on Die Hard, it was a little different, and also Plain Strange Automobiles was done a little differently. But this one follows through with the with with the the, the order that that I was able to find that is the 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 general order that is used. Okay. So then the the next thing that we get to is the Castle Rock Entertainment uh, logo. Okay. Now, do you, do you know what Castle Rock is, Jay? Uh, it's in Stephen King books. I yes. Think. Is it yes, Castle Rock it is. Maine? Well, it's Castle Rock, um, Maine in the books, but wrong. in, in uh, the movie Stand By Me, it was Castle Rock, Oregon. I don't, I don't know why they changed that. You know. Right. And, and so, of course, Rob Reiner directed yes. Stand By Me and would go on to direct Misery yes. uh, to Stephen yes. King stories. Uh, so I, I don't, I, had, I didn't look into why he named his production company after that. Uh, it seems a pretty niche yeah. uh, thing. Did, did you? Well, it, it's, it's basically. He he created the company. There there were uh, four people that created, or how many people created the company? The company was was put together in 1987 by uh, Martin Schaefer, Rob Reiner, Andrew Scheinman, who's also a producer in this movie, Glenn Padnick, and Alan Horn. Okay. Yes. And uh, basically, Rob Reiner decided to name the company in honor of the fictional main town that is uh, used in numerous um, uh, Stephen King novels. And I, di- I didn't know this. It was originally from, from Lord of the that's Flies. Right. There you go. Yeah. I was about to say that. It was originally yeah, okay. used in Lord of the Flies. It was the name of the, the fictional mountain fort in the, yeah. in, in yeah. the novel. You know, and they decided to, to, to create this company. Now, I mean, I've always loved seeing this this uh, this logo around because of the fact that I knew the connection to you know Stephen King. So it was just it was it was always great to to see that. You know, originally uh, Coca Cola was part of it. Also, they paid for 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 part of the uh, they were they were part of the company, but then they uh, dropped their stakes a few months uh, uh, later. And they, they they were they were replaced by Columbia Pictures Entertainment. And uh, okay. yeah, no, it's just it's it. First of all, it's a cool logo. It's the idea that you know. Yeah, you I like this, the, the the light going around. It, yeah. Okay. Do you know Do you know any? Can you think of any famous uh, TV shows that are uh, that are that very much use the idea of Castle Rock Entertainment? Yes, yeah, so, uh, Seinfeld. Exactly. The people behind Girls of Rock, I'm sure, aren't hard up for cash any, any time uh, because of Seinfeld. And I think uh, Alan Horn uh, is also part of Disney. These yes, days, like Alan Horn is part of Disney, so, and, and he will come up uh, numerous times over, over the next few days. I do have things to say about Alan Horn, even though he's I think it might specifically not like in this to say movie. About Alan Horn. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's a question whether it'll be episode three or not. Who knows? Yes, we will see. Yeah. It will. <laughs> okay, could be. <laughs> right. So that that's Castle Rock, which uh, it was actually they they um I think they closed it down. I don't think it's still uh, still around. 
I think it was closed down and then it was reopened. Uh, it's part of Warner Brothers these days, apparently. Right. It was. It was. Um, uh, it was bought up. Relaunched twenty twenty. Right. Uh, yeah, Rob Reiner relaunched it, which is interesting. I, I mean, I don't know enough about the, how how the system works, but if you're bought up by one company, you can't really. You generally can't use your name again. You know, you, you the name no longer belongs to you. But well, looking on their Wikipedia, they don't have any. Uh, any releases tied to them since 2018. Right. Uh, they've got a few upcoming films, including the Spinal Tap sequel. Yeah, I saw that. that I saw about that. Um, and uh, Albert Brooks' film, uh, Father of the Bride sequel, <laughs> Daughter of the Bride. Uh, but yeah, so I don't, I don't know how actively active they are. Right. Uh, but apparently they were relaunched, so we'll see. Yeah. And then after we get the logo of Castle Rock, we get the next note logo, which is the the next uh, company that's connection here. It's or not even a logo, just it says in association. <laughs> sorry, in association with Nelson Entertainment. So it's, it's Why a are you pretty, uh, Uninspiring logo, if that's the logo. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, Nelson, Nelson Entertainment. I actually looked up what it is, and they're basically a company that was created in 1985. And um, they basically hold the rights to video distribution, the home video distribution of lots and lots of movies. Um, they were eventually bought out in 1991 by uh, New Line Cinema, and they rebranded them New Line Home Video, right? But uh, it, you know, it's interesting that that you know, I wonder if this is uh, in the the you know in the theatrical version also. I mean, they don't add these things in later. They already, I guess, already know who's going to be in charge of the the home video aspect of it. You know, it doesn't make yeah. sense that they would add this afterwards. You know, so it means that it was it was something that was decided beforehand that this is how I, they were going to do. I, I think they're in the they were in the um, theatrical release. Just kind of looking up now. Uh, I obviously didn't see this film in in theaters. Uh, <laughs> I was two when it came out. Yeah. Uh, but... I was a little bit older. <laughs> I was 15 when it came out, and I did see it in the theater. Oh, yeah. um, the the follow the year after this, uh, Castle Rock and uh, and Nelson did release Lord of the Flies, the the film of that. So I suppose they I guess they had to with that name with the production company. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> well, actually, it says here that the distributor was Columbia. Uh, that there's distributors and there's co-producers. Ah, okay. Uh, so Castle Rock was their right. co-producer on on the. That's why. I, I, ah, that's right. Because Columbia here. Right. Okay. Because right. Okay. The distributor was uh, was Columbia Pictures. I can't go into what the difference between these things are. Uh, but nope, neither can I. I didn't <laughs> check into it. Sorry. Sorry to disappoint everybody. I, there's something that I didn't check into. It wasn't that important to me. I guess you can say. <laughs> Um, they actually, made the film. One of did, that's right. That's right. I, I didn't mention anything about uh, the release date of this movie. So this movie was released on July 14th, 1989. Um, they actually did a um, – it, it was a – what did they call it? The, the, the release was done gradually. So in the first week that it came out, it was, it was only in, I think, like 40, um, 40 different theaters. Yeah, this is this is so, back in a day where the on its, on its opening release it made like a chameleon dollars the opening weekend, but yes. it would slowly mm-hmm. go over the summer to make ninety two. 
in, in America. Yes, correct. You don't end up making. Uh, that's a shame. Right, and it also it also didn't make that much overseas because it's it's total worldwide gross. I guess yeah, gross is is ninety three million. So it only made a million dollars outside of America. I guess. No, you know, uh, I, I guess not many not many people outside of America could could get the idea of you know a man and a woman being friends and you know close friends as long as they don't let the sex get involved. Do you know why the uh, July fourteenth, nineteen eighty nine date is very special to me? Um, okay, well, first of all, it wasn't when Deep Blue Sea came out. I that know. I know. And also, it wasn't when Con Air came out. It, it was exactly one year minus a day before, um, before uh, or after Die Hard came out. Die Hard came out on July 15th. Um, I, I, I don't know if to, to say whether maybe that's when your parents got married. No, I don't know. Well, uh, uh, <laughs> or, uh, no, you, or you have July, a sibling that was born that day? Well, July 14th, 1997 is the day that Cameron Poe is released from prison in Conair, and he was in prison for eight years. So, if it was eight years to the day, oh, wow. then July 14th, 1989, is when he goes into prison. Oh my God. <laughs> You know what? I have to tell you that this is really funny. Uh, Jay and I recorded an episode last week uh, on Conair, and when I watched the movie, I did notice it, and I wrote it down, and I forgot that I had written that down. Oh my God. <laughs> That was something. That was something I was going to bring up. I'm just not going to bring now. up the fact just that you're saying July 14th, 1989. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. It really is something that I, <laughs> I can even, if you want, I can show you proof that I. I believe you. I believe you. It's um, <laughs> I can send it to you on WhatsApp because I wrote it on in in my phone. It's all right. I believe you. It's uh, <laughs> that's really funny. Wow. Um, okay. All right. Well, we'll have other connections to other movies uh, later this week too. I, I have I have a great connection to another movie in in uh, when we get to to episode three. But we'll, we'll we'll get there. So basically, when Harry and Sally didn't it it did a, a nice uh, amount in the box office, did a nice job, but it never was higher than than ranked th- third because it came out in, in the summer. I mean, the summer is when people go see action movies. They don't see uh, rom-coms and stuff like that. The first week that it came out, it was uh, ranked 14. Do you have any idea what movie was uh, was ranked first that week? Um, 89's a, a stacked year. Uh, Batman? Yes, it really is. Batman would have been around there? No, Batman, Batman was actually number two that week. Okay. Okay, number one was Lethal Weapon 2. Of course. Which came out which came out the week before. The magic okay, of Batman. Okay, Batman was in its... It's the slogan that's for, <laughs> for that non-magic. Batman was... <laughs> Batman was fourth that week. It was the fourth week. Sorry, it was the fourth week of Batman, and it was ranked second. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was also in its fourth week. That was the third. Of course. Um, yeah. Then you had two other releases that came out the exact same day. One of them is a James Bond movie, License to Kill. Uh, License to Kill, yeah. Which was ranked four that week. Okay. Dalton's final one. Yeah. That's right. Then we had Toro, Robert a, from Die Hard. That's right. A Disney re-release of Peter Pan. Oh, Grand Old Bush also from Die Hard. Uh, Disney re-release um, of Peter Pan. That was that was Peter also Pan. okay. That was that also debuted that week and that ranked number five. Okay. Um, sorry, but as um, the you'll get this in a future episode, I'm sure. One of the actors who plays one of the documentary couples is called Peter Pan. Yes, uh, I do know just, that. <laughs> I was scrolling through the credits. I was like, wait a minute. Yes. and then Peter Pan came out the same day. Nice. Yes, I'm. I'm assuming that he is the uh, Oriental man. 
telling his story. Uh, I, the Asian man, I think, is the... The Asian, Asian man, excuse the, me. The Asian man. <laughs> I, I didn't mean the, yes. you know... I, I, I know, but yeah, he's he's paired up with, with Jane Jones. I think that is correct. That makes sense, yeah. Um, and then rounding out the rest of the top 10 that week is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which was ranked sixth. It was in its eighth week of... Uh, uh, since it was since it debuted, Ghostbusters Two was in its was fifth it, week. Eighth week of being the best film of '89. Indiana Jones: Last Crusade. Yes, okay, that's true. Um, Dead Poet Society was was uh, was eighth, and that was they were in their seventh week of uh, of release. Weekend at Bernie's was number nine, uh, in its second week, and the last movie in the top ten was Do the Right Thing, which was in its third week. Yes, the film that didn't win Best Picture because of Driving Miss Daisy, that classic we're still talking about today. <laughs> Do the Right Thing? Do the Right Thing wasn't nominated. No, but it's but still, Driving Miss Daisy won. Ah, yes. Okay, year, that's true. This year of stacked films and classics and independent yes. filmmakers going out onto the big onto the stage and one year of cinema. Let's give Best Picture to Driving Miss Daisy. Yes, that's <laughs> true. And rounding out 11, 12, and 13 before when Harry Metelli were The Karate Kid Part 3, Great Balls of Fire, and Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams was in its 13th week, and it still did better than Harry Metelli did in its first week. You know, so. Costner. People love Costner. That's right. Yeah. Right. So the, the second And, and week, again, this film came out in like four cinemas. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> No, it came out in more than four. It was, yeah, it yeah. came out in 41, 41 theaters. It was a limited release. Yes. yes it was. First week. So the second week when it had its full release, where it went to 775 theaters, it was ranked three. Okay. okay. It, it was behind Lucy Watkins 2, Batman, and then you had Winharry McSally, yeah. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and License to Kill. So you see, License to Kill and Peter Pan both came out the same they both released the same week as when Harry and Sally and in the second week it surpassed both of them especially given the fact that both of them had twice as many theaters they both had well, 1500 was a re-release and uh, License to Kill is is wasn't well received if I recall people didn't love Dalton as Bond I do right. well it's, it's I totally... apologize to apologize since you can hear fireworks in my background I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> People are still well, celebrating New Year's. People still celebrating New Year's. <laughs> right. So in the second week, uh, the, the two movies that were uh, brand new movies that were released were UHF with Weird Al yeah, and Shag. But both of them did terrible. Both of them. And uh, what was that, was that second one? Shag. The hell is Shag? <laughs> this is some Austin Powers prequel. Um, it was not the spy who shagged me. <laughs> Here it says, in the summer of 1963, Carson is getting married to her boyfriend. So her friends Melanie, Pudge, and Luann take her to Myrtle Beach for one last irresponsible weekend. Ah, the 80s. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pudge. <laughs> yeah, well, shag. What can you expect? So, yeah, I mean, as I said, this the second week was, was the, the highest... When Harry Met Sally ranked in in the box office, it reached third. And then for the next two months, it was either fourth or fifth. And then it dropped down to sixth in uh, late in the end of September, beginning of October. And then mid-October, it's still very impressive to stay in the top yeah, five that long, given how true. stacked that summer was. And given that this is a, a, a rom-com, kind of a, 
I know, I know things are different these days, but this when Harry Met Sally plays just as well at home as it yes, does in the cinema, for sure. I think. Obviously, you didn't have streaming back then, or or even DVDs. Right. Uh, that's, but... that's very true. You had Betamax. There you go. This, this doesn't feel like a must. You gotta see it on the biggest screen possible. Well, <laughs> you're, you're fine. Right. And then we we have uh, uh, it dropped down then in mid mid October to the ninth, and then twelfth, and then it was gone after fifteen weeks in the theater. So yeah, but it still had a, a nice impressive run. You know, it. You know, still making $93 million is, is pretty good, considering that, uh, you know, at the time, that, that is a great, you know, uh, amount of money to make for a rom-com. I, I don't know. I don't know how that compares to, to today, because they probably spend more money on CGI in rom-coms today than... <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I think uh, half of the 27 dresses were all CGI in that, in that Captain right. Heigl film. That's a topical reference, 27. Very dresses. topical, very topical. <laughs> <laughs> so after we, we get the Nelson Entertainment, uh, we get uh, a, a Rob Reiner film. So we'll, we'll talk about Rob Reiner uh, you know, tomorrow when we get there. Or actually, not even tomorrow. We'll talk about him on Wednesday. Uh, followed by the, the screen credit of Billy Crystal. Okay, do you know, first of all... Uh, what Billy Crystal's real full name is? I don't, but just uh, just to, to jump back, uh, "Marry Me," which came out last year, a recent rom com, uh, cost twenty three million to make and it made fifty million. Wow. Okay. So that's that's some kind okay, of okay. Well, I, I it's like these big right. stars. Right, that's true. With uh, J Lo and uh, uh, Owen Wilson. Owen right. Wilson. Yeah. Wow, it only made it only doubled. I it. liked it. It's uh, interesting. Yeah, well, I think that's just in America. I'm not sure it did worldwide, but I think okay. it's fine. Anyway, I, I do not know Betty Crystal's full name. I'm guessing it's not William. Well, Crystal. it's William Edward Crystal. Okay. He, he was oh, born okay. on March 14th, 19... 19- <laughs> Wait, Crystal is his yes, real surname? Is. That's incredible. That's such a stage name. Yes, it really is, but that is his real name. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, and <laughs> so he was he was born on March 14th, 1948. Uh, which would mean that when this movie came out, he was 40 years old. Yeah, okay. That's, uh, that wig's doing a lot of work in the opening scene when we get there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, I can't remember who it is. There's someone else who was born on March 14th that was, uh, that, that's also quite famous. I don't think it was in 48. I was thinking it was Bruce Willis, but it wasn't. Because Bruce Willis was, was born on March uh, 17th. Yeah. Uh, so it's pie. It's pie day. Yeah. No. It's uh, it's because uh, it's three point one. Okay. Yeah. Well, you knew that well, without looking. Yeah, it's, it's or three, three point one to... four. It's pie day. Uh, oh, that that pie. I was thinking pie. I mean, it can be right. Okay, that's right. That makes sense. I'm looking up who was born in, in <laughs> right. on March 14th. Cosby <laughs> uh, Berkeley was born on March 14th. Whatever, doesn't matter. <laughs> I will continue Thank to look. For, for, for... <laughs> Maybe you'll find someone interesting. That's what you're saying. Well, there. Let's put it this way: there on IMDb, there are 1,422 people that were born on that day. Michael Caine. Okay, there and he died on March 14th. I was looking at the wrong list. Uh... Okay, Layla Robbins. There you go. That's what. That's what probably made me think of it. Layla Robbins, who played uh, Steve Martin's wife in Planes, Automobiles. So. Part of the movie Robin. Uh, Jamie Bell, Ansel Elgore, Chris Klein of American yeah, Pie. 
That's right. There you go. There you go. There go. That's actually very funny that 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 someone from you know from from American Pie was born on. It'd be great if they all were. If the entire cast. Oh, Alison Hannigan. Uh, no, she wasn't. Uh, but she, yeah, but she she'll, she'll come up later today also. She definitely will. Okay, so <laughs> we have a credit for Billy Crystal. So Billy Crystal was he has six Emmys. He was nominated 21 times for Emmys. He has won six of them. He has a Tony Award. He has a Mark Twain Prize for American Humor. He has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Okay, he was the host of the Oscars nine times between 1990 and 2012, which is only second to the Hope. Okay, and uh, he's was announced this year that he's going to get a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Critics' Choice Award. Okay, his father. Have, have you ever uh, seen or heard uh, Seven Hundred Sundays? I've never heard of that, but I've heard it. Yeah. Okay, so that that's a one man show that uh, Billy Crystal did on on uh, you know on stage for many years. That's what he won a Tony for, and it's all about his life growing up. Um, about Seven Hundred Sundays, you know, about his it. it, it first of all, it's okay. fascinating. You know, you, if you get a chance, you should definitely uh, try to try to get a copy and listen to it and and watch it. It's great. But he mentions there about his father. His father, Jack Crystal, okay, owned and operated the Commodore Music Store that his grandfather had had uh, um, founded. His grandfather um, and Crystal's father was a jazz promoter, and he was a producer, and he actually uh, was an executive for Commodore Records. All right. Now, Jack Crystal is a great name. What that means Jack is, is, is like that... a, a, a kind of Jack Slater kind of action hero name. There should be, there should be, he should have a whole yeah, franchise. It's true. Jack Crystal. <laughs> and apparently, <laughs> apparently, Billy Crystal mentions in 700 Sundays that um, a whole bunch of jazz people, he grew up with all these jazz people in their living room all the time, you know, coming and playing with them and, and, you know, he he said he knew Billie Holiday, uh, Eddie Condon, Pee Wee Russell, uh, Arvel Shaw, and things like that. So he you know he uh, definitely had uh, an, an interesting childhood from that perspective. Okay, he actually attended uh, Marshall University in Huntington, West Virginia, and he he was accepted there on a baseball scholarship. Yeah, okay, all right. He was he was. Billy Crystal was a very big baseball player, and he actually had his dream. That's right. He had his dream fulfilled on, on March 12, 2008. The Yankees, the New York Yankees, signed him for a one-day minor league <laughs> contract. Okay, and he was invited to spring training, and he was a, he was going to be sixty. He was uh, he, he it was two days before his sixtieth birthday, so he was given the number sixty, and he actually played in a game. Against the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, they had him as the he he led off as the designated hitter, and he fouled a fastball, uh, and uh, and eventually was struck out by the the, the Pirates pitcher Paul Mahomes uh, on six six pitches, and later on he was actually replaced in the batting order by uh, Johnny Damon, and they they basically released him on March 14th on his birthday itself. So first of all, it's a pretty cool thing, you know. Here's a guy who who always dreamed of being in, you know, a major league baseball player, and you know he got to play 
on a team. His he got to play on his team, you know, for two yeah, years. Yeah, but then he got no for two I days. Like, sorry, I mean he two. got struck out. I I so I don't I. Yeah, but he's not. But he's a sixty-year-old guy so playing like against uh, the picture. Should have. I get it. He's playing for the opposing team. Uh, but it's Billy Crystal. Like throw him a slow ball. Maybe he's just not a fan of when Harry <laughs> missed Alley. I hated City Slickers. This is straight in the air. <laughs> there you go. That's right. Um, Billy Crystal was also the first and final guest of uh, Jay Leno on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno over the course of the, uh, I think, 20 years that uh, that he was on there. He was on numerous game shows over the course of the 70s and 80s. He was on Hollywood Squares, All-Star Secrets, $20,000 Pyramid, and he still holds the pyramid record for getting his contestant partner to the top of the period in the and into the winning circle in the fastest time in 26 right. seconds, you know, which, yeah. which is pretty amazing that, I mean, if you think about it, Billy Crystal being able to talk really fast, uh, makes sense. You know, you don't have to put him on double <laughs> speed to listen to him, you know? <laughs> uh... Right. So he, he ended up, he ended up leaving Huntington college and, uh, and went to uh, NYU where he got a, a BFA in the, the School of Fine Arts, where one of his instructors was Martin Scorsese. And two of his classmates were Christopher Guest and Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone? So, have yeah. ever worked together? I don't know that he yes. and Christopher Guest have. But... Yes. No, but, but you'd think, you'd think they that he would have put out. him in JFK or something like that, you know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe, the, the, you know, one of them was caught cheating off the other in the middle of uh, yeah, a I don't, I don't talk to a lot of people I went to university. Uh, if I, I was making know. a film, I wouldn't cast any of them. Or very few. <laughs> 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 they know who they okay. are. Okay, that, that makes sense. That, that, that is They fair. know what they did. There you go. <laughs> and, okay. <laughs> we won't go there. Maybe maybe one day I do like Animal House or something like that. We'll have off the beaten track, uh, you know, college uh, yeah, I college stories, and then you'll be able to tell us about that type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Only a week. Come on. All right, and then the next uh, screen credit we get is Meg Ryan. Now, do you know what uh, Meg Ryan's real name is? And I will tell you, it is not William. Is it uh, uh, Megan Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> no. Her name is Margaret Mary Emily Ann. That's Hyra. three names. H Y R A. That's right. But that, that's what it is. Um, she actually took on the name Ryan uh, when she joined the Screen Actors Guild. Uh, she decided to use her, her grandmother's uh, maiden name, which was Ryan. So that's why she just changed it to Meg Ryan. She was born on November 19th, 1961. And she actually studied journalism. In, in university. She was at the University of Connecticut, and then she graduated from New York University. And this movie is her first uh, lead role. Yes, yes. She was in other movies yes. beforehand. We know she was in yes. uh, Top Gun. You know, shout out to the Top Gun Minute. But, uh, you know, she, she had a few other small roles in, in other, other films in the 80s, but this was the first time that someone took a, um, took a shot by letting her be the lead. And... You know, I guess you could say the rest yeah, they, of they wanted, I heard they wanted Molly Ringwald for it, which I, I don't think that would have worked very well. Uh, so I'm, I've, she's yeah, probably uh, she's excellent in this. Obviously, she's not in this minute. Uh, no one is, but she and Billy Crystal both. Like the the four main actors of, of this film are all 
just excellently cast, perfectly yeah. cast. It's because it, it's because they have such great yes. chemistry yes. all together. I mean, we speaking of Alison Hannigan, there was obviously the uh, the stage production with Alison Hannigan and Luke Perry. That's what yeah. I was going to mention. Well, I mean, why not now? Uh, those two aren't in the film either. <laughs> yes. And I don't have you have you That's seen right. any with, footage with Luke or Perry any footage from that? They no, I've no I've never seen any footage, no but I but sure. I can't imagine I can't imagine Luke Perry in this role. Yeah, well, I, 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 I've I've heard some audio from it, and it's it's bad. It's quite bad. They don't. There's no connection with them at all. There's no like the, there's none of the kind of effortless bouncing back and forth between them that that, uh, uh, that Crystal and Ryan have. Right. Oh wow. All right, so then the next thing we get on the screen is the title of the movie, When Harry Met Sally. Dot, dot, dot. Now, one of the things that, exactly, the dot, dot, dot. Now, do you know what that's called? An ellipsis. If you, when you put three dots? An ellipsis. An ellipsis. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Now, I, I went in and did a search of how many other movies have ellipsis in them. Ooh. Okay. And I found that there are 369 movies listed on IMDb. I'm not going to name them all. Can't do that. Not going to happen. Neither am I. Neither am I. I, I found six. That, that that I was going to mention. Okay. So, uh, say first of all, you have. Does it, does it say anything? Have dot, dot, dot? No. No. Okay. No. You have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yes. Yeah, of course. Okay. Then you have Better Off Dead. A shout out to the Better Off Dead Minute, if uh, which which is currently dead. They haven't, uh, you know, they stopped in the middle. Which, uh, They're better off. Curtis, get back. Get back. We want to hear the rest of it. Uh, <laughs> And then the next one that I found was a Ryan Reynolds comedy called Waiting. From yes, I have seen Waiting. Yes, you have. Oh, I haven't seen it. It's it's fine. Uh, it's kind of uh, that Ryan Reynolds period where he's it's kind of there's some gross out humor. There's a whole running gag about a, a new member of the the kitchen staff trying to show his testicles to everyone. Uh, it's, it's like running. It's like some game they play at the restaurant. I was like, oh, you, you get points if you show your testicles to people. And yeah. Yeah, um, Jay, I, that I kind must, of film. I must say that that you are correct. Um, say anything also does have three three dots on it. Got you it. are Boom. right. Yeah, that's interesting <laughs> that it wasn't listed in in the. I mean, I didn't. I, I in all honesty, I didn't go through all three hundred sixty nine films. I only went to the first. I only no. It's it's probably on that list. <laughs> I I only went through uh, you know uh, the first fifty because I figured those were the most important ones, but. Uh, apparently, say anything should should have been higher on that list. So yes, because you, waiting is considered more important than say anything. <laughs> um, apparently, I, I don't know how the, how it's listed. Why you know it says it says according to popularity, but you know I, I don't know what like, really uh, that means. David Keckner's in it. I think Justin Long might be in. I think he's the lead. In um, what? In waiting. In in waiting. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he's like a he's a, a waiter who wants to do something waiting else. Waiting has uh, there you go Justin Long, Ryan Reynolds, Anna Ferris, and John Francis, yep. Francis Daly. I don't remember a minute, but yeah, fine. Yeah, John Francis Daly is I, is I can't an picture him. actor who was in Freaks and Geeks. Oh, he's the guy I'm talking about. who was trying to show his testicles to everyone. I, I couldn't picture him. Uh, but he's he's the character. I'm going to stop saying testicles now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, so he was in the Judd Apatow uh, TV show, Freaks and Geeks. Okay. And then he was on uh, Bones for 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 many many years, and then he had his character killed off on Bones, said so he could uh, actually go and co-direct a movie, and he co-directed. Do you know what movie? 
Vacation. Uh, the the the, oh, okay. the remake of Vacation. That was what he. I didn't I didn't see that one. Okay, and he also was one of the writers of Spider Man Homecoming. I saw that one. I liked that one a great deal. Yes. Yes. Uh, so what other movies have dot dot dots? You have uh, Injustice for All with uh, Al Pacino from 1979, um, About Last Night from 1986, and a movie from 1968, which I'd never heard of, but sounds very interesting, called If with Malcolm McDowell. I have seen If. Is, is, it, is it worth it. watching? Uh, it's on the first one movies you must see before you die list, uh, is, is If. Um, it's I remember it being quite a quite a brutal school set film. It's apparently um, about like these kids that take over their school or something like that. You know? Yeah, yeah, but it's it's not like a nice, it's not like a fun like, oh, hey, the kids are taking over the school. It's, oh god, the kids are taking over the school, kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's been a few years since I saw it, but I have definitely seen it. Yeah, okay, but it didn't it didn't make much of an impression. Uh, apparently not. <laughs> Apparently not. I, so, I remember waiting, but I don't remember if, if that's the help. Uh, okay. <laughs> Whatever. I'm not even gonna go there. Um. <laughs> so, so uh, the truth is, uh, did you know that it was called an ellipsis? I didn't. Even, I didn't remember that. That's what it was called. I had to look it up. See what it was yes, called. Yes, it is. Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, so, what is, what does an ellipsis mean when when you use it in in uh? Uh, in writing to be continued generally i think right it indicates well, there is more to come yeah it indicates an omission right um and we were taught at school if you're writing a story like don't end it with an ellipsis like people, people would like write a story like dot 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 at the end like, oh no end it right find that work out ending and write the ending right sometimes it can be used when someone's like trailing off of the thought you know, towards the end, you know, someone's just like thinking of something and whatever. Like if you were to say, if only she had, oh, it doesn't matter now. You know, like you change the it, the topic type of thing. Um, it I, could... I, when when it's put like at the end of a story, to me, it's the equivalent of the, the horror film where like the last shot is the villain gets back up again. Right. Like, I hate that kind of thing. Like, <laughs> no, let's, let's have a self-enclosing story where they, they die. Right. Jason doesn't need to come back. That's true. And it could also mean hesitation. You know, yep. sometimes you can be stopping and then going to something else. Um, and the, the 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 website that I found this on, it says, like the exclamation point, the ellipsis is at risk of overuse. You know, people like to use it a little too much, especially since there are 369 movies that, that use an ellipsis. So, <laughs> but I mean, I, uh, I I like the fact that they, they use it here. You know, it's when Harry met Sally and then, okay. Yeah, it's the start of a story. The start of a story. But you can say that about any movie. Star I mean, Wars. Yeah. It's the start of Actually, it's the start. Like, let me tell you a story of how When Harry Met Sally. It's not, let me tell you a story of Die Hard. It's, it doesn't really... Like, it's not... Right. It's not the start of a story. This is like, what was that story? Oh, well, When Harry Met Sally is literally the start of a sentence. Right. Uh, but you know that, that wasn't the original title of the film. That is correct. What was the original title? Why don't you it was something like uh, How We Met or How They Met or something like that. Yeah, it was something really silly. Um, and Rob Reiner didn't, didn't like it, so he had a, held a competition uh, for anybody in the crew to come up with a better title, for which the prize was a case of champagne. Yes. So it was, yeah. right. it was originally called How They Met, and they kept changing the titles uh, numerous times throughout that, and then they decided that they're going to start a contest, as you said. Um, yeah, it doesn't even tell you who, who, who actually thought of the idea. I couldn't, I couldn't find who got, who got it either. Yeah. Uh, but I, 
I greatly prefer the title when Harry met Sally over the kind of generic how they met. Yeah. Because it's specific. It's yeah. like, okay, so when you say when Harry met Sally, you know what film people are talking about, about this film. When someone's like, something's got to give, it takes me a minute to work out, well, what is, which one's that? Right. So Jack Nicholson's in it, but they, I mean, is it as good as it gets? Is it one of the other ones? <laughs> how do they know? <laughs> right. Now, do you know who else was was uh, was was given the role or given the option of taking on the role of of Harry? Tom Hanks, I think, was was up for it. Yes, Tom Hanks, Richard Dreyfuss. He would never work with Nora in front of Meg Ryan ever again. No, uh, never, never. But 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 he wouldn't work in this role because you have to. No, be... I, I think perfectly cast. It would be a different film. Yeah, yeah. So Tom Hanks, Richard Dreyfuss, Michael Keaton, and Albert Brooks. All four of them turned it down. I, I can see all, all of them in that role. They'd need to tweak the character a little bit, uh, but I think it would have worked. It would just be a different film. Yes. Not yeah. to say anything would be bad. They, they're all fantastic comedic actors. Yeah, I think I think the uh, best of them would have been Albert Dreyfus, Brooks. Maybe not. Right. I, I think Albert Brooks would have been the best of them. You know, he he uh, yeah, would, he would be able to get the one. tone. You know, not not specifically what what uh, what what Billy Crystal gets, but he still would get a good dark tone for for this type of character. You're someone who has a very dark yeah, I think side he, to them. He's, he's a little more acerbic, a little more negative, Albert Brooks. Yeah. Based on the characters I know him from. Yes. Mainly Finding Nemo. Uh, but I, I, he's <laughs> like, well, think about it, like. <laughs> uh, but, you know, also the films that he's actually. You've in, never actually, seen him. Have you seen him in uh, Broadcast News he, or Defending yes, Your Broadcast Life? Broadcast News or um, um, I haven't seen Defending Your Life, but I've seen Lost in America. Okay. Um, and real life, those kind of films where, where he's always more like put upon and he's, he always seems yes. very depressed <laughs> every yes. time he's in. Just, um, where where like, I feel like if he was playing Harry, Harry would be harder to like. I love Albert Brooks, loving everything he does, but I, I feel like he's a difficult guy to get on with. Whereas Harry starts off that way, but you you, you mellow over time and you, you kind of root for him. Whereas I think Albert Brooks, I, I rarely root for Albert Brooks in films. Well, you're you're just. <laughs> You're sort of supposed like, yeah, maybe, to root maybe you bring this on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but also cheer up. Yeah. It's not all bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so then we, we we move along to the final credit of this minute is Carrie Fisher. Never, never heard, heard of her. Who never heard of her. Now, for me it was a little strange, you know, when I first saw this movie. That that she was in that that she was here because you don't think of her as a someone you'd put in a comedy even though she is a comedian you know and she's a comedic writer you know they they she's done a lot of comedy writing but just playing a character maybe it's because you know I think of her too much from uh, you know from Star Wars where Leia is not oh she is in Star Wars yes you're right yes you uh... <laughs> yeah, well, I I, I feel don't, like don't let don't let uh, um, don't let Pete and Alex hear you saying that you don't know that. <laughs> uh, of course, she's in Star Wars, Blues yes. Brothers as well. Uh, I I feel like she got this role more off the back of Hannah and her sisters uh, than Star Wars, where she's she's more of a supporting. Uh, she's not like a bad character. She's she's kind of a, screws over some people in Hannah her and her sisters a little bit. Uh, but she's more like the kind of the friend, the, the right. side character, and she does a fantastic job in that one. Um, yeah, but she's she's great. Yeah, she's you know 
just a wonderful character wonderful it's great to have like her and bruno kirby as like this is, it. this is your backup couple you've got meg ryan you've got billy crystal but supporting cast is, is bruno kirby and carrie fisher i mean what what was you need yeah it's perfect i completely agree with you on that so i mean she was also in she was in the the burbs which came out the same year yes yeah another uh, great film there. Shout out to the Bob's minute. Of course. <laughs> I, I don't think of her as a comedic actor, but but here in this movie, she does a great job because her character, first of all, her character is hilarious, but she's not trying to be hilarious. I I do think of her as a comedic actor because she has a lot of like funny lines in Star Wars, you know, walking carpet, and just the, the interactions that she has with with in the the love triangle of Han and Luke. Uh, I, I think she's she has some of the funnier moments. Okay, but is she a comedic? The Star Wars film. But again, it, her character is not meant to be comedic. You know, she has comedic lines. I disagree. Okay, I think I think she is at times supposed to be comedic. Like it's it's a it's a kids film. They're all supposed to be comedic. Right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But, so you're saying that that yeah. that Yoda is also a comedy? Absolutely. He's a, he's a freaking yeah. muppet. Uh, I love the Star Wars films. Don't get me wrong. I have a lot of Star Wars memorabilia around me. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but Yoda's a, of course he is. He's a okay. Yeah, he's especially in the prequels. Okay, that is fair. <laughs> so, um, Carrie Fisher's name is Carrie Frances Fisher. She was born on the twenty first of October, nineteen fifty six, and she passed away on the twenty seventh of December, twenty sixteen. She was the daughter of Eddie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds. Eddie Fisher was a singer, and Debbie Reynolds was an actress. Um, she she apparently stated in her autobiography that she had an affair with Harrison Ford, but but I heard that Harrison Ford said that's not true. So I don't know who we're really supposed to believe when it comes to that one. I don't think it matters. I I try to I try to stay out of these yeah, exactly. celebrity gossip things. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Basically, right. she was she was married to uh uh well first of all she was she was engaged to Dan Aykroyd, who proposed to her. While they were uh, filming in the the Blues Brothers, Blues Brothers, and yep. uh, they then uh, you know the, their their relationship they, they broke up, and then she uh, got back together with with the previous boyfriend Paul Simon, who she ended up marrying, you know the uh, singer Paul Simon. Rainbow Connection, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but they were they were only married for a year. And then they uh, they broke up, and then they were back together again. Whatever she then she ended up having a very long relationship with a talent agent named Brian Lord, and they had a daughter who was born in 1992, Billy Billy Lord. Yeah. Okay. Who uh, apparently oh, is Star in Wars. Star Wars also. Exactly. She's she's in the later later Star Wars episodes. Uh, but apparently that she she would refer to him as her second husband, but they never really they never got married. Oh. So in December 2016, she was on a flight back from from uh, I think it was England to America, and the person next to her saw that she stopped breathing, and they ended up uh, you know performing CPR on her, and the, you know they they had to land the, the plane. This was like 15 minutes before they had to land or something like that. Uh, sorry, the flight was from London to LA. That's where it is. And about 15 minutes before the plane was about to land, they had uh, this medical emergency that someone saw that she had stopped breathing. They performed CPR on her until the paramedics were able to get there. And then she was placed on a ventilator uh, in the hospital for uh, 
for almost a week or four or five days, I think it was, something like that. And uh, she ended up uh, passing away at the age of 60. When they tried figuring out how she died or what she died of, there were there still is a lot of controversy as to whether it was uh, you know a a heart attack or whether it was related to uh, sleep apnea that she had or whether it's related to heroin or opiates or other other drugs you know that uh, possibly contributed to her death. I guess in the end it doesn't really make a difference. What it comes down to is she yeah. she left us with a great body of work. And uh, I think that's uh, what's interesting. Now, what's what's fascinating is the day after she died, her mother, Debbie Reynolds, suffered a stroke and uh, died later that afternoon. So she and her mother basically died yeah. a day apart. It's, it's you mean you hear all the time about the couples who like when one passes, the other one passes very soon yes. after. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's very sad. Uh, it's a very yeah. sad time. Yes, that's very sad, and and that's how this minute ends. We we had a little bit to talk about uh, this this uh, this minute. Well, obviously through the course of the movie, we'll talk more about the, these actors and their their uh, characters and things that they do. But uh, so, Jay, you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we get into the script? I mean, the 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 song that's being played. We can talk more about tomorrow, I guess, because we talk about the, the we can talk about the player tomorrow. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about the music tomorrow. Okay. Uh, but no, I think we, we, we covered far more than I thought. We, I was expecting you to be like, what do you know about the color black? Because that's mostly what we see on screen. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's black with white on the inside. You know, so. Yes. Yeah, like, well, Oreo cookies. White test. Uh, Oreo cookies. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, I, mean, I, think, I think we went far more into detail than we needed to. <laughs> yeah, but it's still fun anyway. What can I, I tell you? I, I, I find that fun. Um, so the script of When Harry Met Sally. Um, the copy that I have is from the 23rd of August, 1988. And, uh, you know, it says original screenplay by Nora Ephron, Rob Reiner, and Andrew Scheinman. Uh, it says on Castle Rock Pictures, Raleigh Studios, had address, copyright 1988, Castle Rock Entertainment, all rights reserved. Um, obviously, there is nothing that happens in the script in this minute. <laughs> in, in the <laughs> For script, obvious reasons. Meg Ryan's name is first. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah, but what, what's interesting is here it says the number of revisions that they have on on the, the script. Now back then, I I think they were they're pretty much typing these things. You know, maybe they had word processors or whatever. But uh, you know, having to retype the script every single time you made changes is just crazy. This is the twelfth revision. That I mean, that, they probably that, wouldn't that have to have retype it. the whole thing. Just the just pages the... that they were changing. Yeah. Right, but I mean, yeah. it says here they have revisions on. August 3rd, 4th, 9th, 11th, 12th, 15th, 16th, 17th, 19th, 19th. You have two on the same day, 22nd, and then this is on the 23rd. So that's still pretty pretty amazing. Yeah. All right. So every Monday we have a segment called Meg Ryan Monday, where my guests will give their top five Meg Ryan performances. So what have you got for us, Jay? I am the worst person to start uh, this feature because I have seen uh, <laughs> almost five Meg Ryan films. <laughs> so you're going to give us almost five uh, and almost top five I, I've seen more Bruno Kirby films than I have Meg Ryan films um, <laughs> yeah I don't know what it is she's one of those actresses I don't I don't hate her at all uh, she just kind of passed me by um, with, without really making much of a dent in terms of my film watching well you can make a uh, change you can change that now I, I, I'd love to have the time to do that I really would 
but also I did look at her. I, I kind of knew this podcast was coming up. I looked at what films are available streaming uh, from her. None of them really uh, uh, <laughs> appealed to me all that much. I don't know what it is. She just uh, makes films that I don't really. I don't know. She's not. In any well, let me let me see if I can think of four. Uh, let me so, let me see. I, I'm not going to guess the order, but okay. So you've seen this movie. You've, well, okay, so no, I, I have I have seen five. I've definitely seen. Okay, so the so five that I think you've five. seen, and I could be wrong, is When Harry Met Sally, uh, Top Gun. Okay, um, Sleepless in Seattle. You've got mail. And what would I guess for the fifth one? Hmm. You should know what the fifth one is because we've discussed it. Uh, it's not Die Hard. Well, we've discussed. What I've seen. <laughs> it's not Die Hard. As in, we, we've, as in, we haven't we haven't podcasted about it, but it, it's come up in conversation. Um, hmm. And you've got at least one wrong. Story. Okay, it's fair. <laughs> so either yeah. you haven't seen Sleepless or you haven't. You've got it. That's the only one I was thinking of. Or Top, or Top Gun. No, I'm assuming you've seen Top Gun. I'm pretty sure you've seen it. I haven't seen Top Gun Maverick yet. But she's not in it, so you don't have to worry about that. I wouldn't know. <laughs> Well, tried to. You tried to. Don't yeah. you know there is no try, there is do. Um, okay, I, I did. I didn't. Okay. <laughs> I tried to do. I failed. We discussed it. Um, well, I would say inner space, but I know you hate Dennis Quaid. So why would you see? Oh, wait a second. I know what it is. I know. I know. I know. I know. Wait a second. Yes. Yeah, yes. You've seen inner space. It's um uh the one one uh, proof of life you've seen. Okay. I, I think so my, I think so. My number five, go. my number five is you've got mail, because uh, I'm pretty sure I've seen it, uh, but I I I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> um, okay, it may it may have been Super in Seattle. I don't know, but I, I'm pretty sure I've seen one of them. Well, did she have short hair or long hair? That's I don't know. It made such a little impression on me that I don't know. I don't know. I I think uh, my wife was probably watching it at some point, and I was just I was doing something else in the same room. So that's as close as I can do to number five. Well, number four is Proof of Life, uh, which was the the podcast I used to host, the Lambcast, which is the show that you and I met on. Uh, has recently done a movie of the month on Proof of Life with a future guest on this show, Roger Wistar, who is a far bigger fan of that film than anybody. That'll be his number one. Uh, yeah. When you get that far, uh, it's it's a bad film. Uh, <laughs> it's not a, not a good. I don't know. It's not a bad film. It's just not a good film uh, that I regret spending money on <laughs> watching that film. Uh, number three is Top Gun. I'm not a Top Gun fan. Uh, I think she's she's very good in it. I think it's a great kind of early role for her. It's just not a film I enjoy. I love Tom Cruise. Love Tom Cruise action films. Uh, Top Gun is just far too uh, boorah, um Go America for me. <laughs> And I know a lot of English people who like it too. I, I'm just not one of them. My number two is Inner Space. I have seen Inner Space, despite my uh, general dislike for Meg Ryan's ex-husband. Uh, I I well, apparently, think she apparently Meg Ryan doesn't like him either. I I don't blame her, but I feel like well, I mean, Proof of Life was the reason that her marriage ended. Uh, so yes, yeah. uh, no, Russell Crowe is the reason her marriage ended, but because they, because of Proof of Life. Uh, yes, yeah, um, yeah, Inner Space. A film I, I enjoyed in spite of Dennis Quaid, uh, who I, I think is a villain in every film that he's in, uh, especially in like, Inner Space Age. Uh, Dennis Quaid looks like just the most evil person in the world. Um, I, don't, I don't know what it is about him. I just don't like him. 
Uh, but Meg Ryan's fine on it. Martin Shaw is great in it. Our number one is, of course, When Harry Met Sally, which I, I, that, that, that. I, I feel like most people <laughs> are going to be putting When Harry Met Sally at the top of this list because I think it's the film Meg Ryan is, is, is known for being the best in. She gets the most of like an arc to do. Uh, it, it's it, to make her, when Harry Met Sally kind of feels like a TV show, in that you see you're with these characters for so much of their life that they get to develop. They start in a place mm-hmm. and where they end, like far more like the span of twelve years, I think it is, uh, yes. over the course of the film. So you get you get to see a TV like uh, eight or nine series of a TV show's time <laughs> of these characters, uh, um, but condensed into fewer than a hundred minutes. Uh, yes. So. And she does a fantastic job. I was going to come here and say, ah, my top five Meg Ryan films, uh, Hunt for an October, Patriot Games, Crimson Prison Day. But, it was, you know, someone else can make that joke, I'm sure. <laughs> I haven't seen five Jack Ryan films. So... <laughs> I still you haven't, haven't seen okay. uh, Clear and Present Day, yet. <laughs> I may not. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, thank you for that, Jay. Uh, do you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you? Yes, uh, the, I'll do uh, one plug a day, I think. So Conair, the podcast, is the podcast that I'm doing currently, uh, where myself and my co-host Mark Hoffmeyer from Movies, Films and Flicks and Rotten Tomatoes are going through Conair 97 action Nick Cage classic. Uh, one scene at a time. We do a scene a week rather than a minute a day because that fits our schedule better. Uh, Rob was a guest a couple of months ago at this point. Uh, for a chapter, and we're having a great time talking about that ridiculous and incredibly fun film. So Conair, uh, Conair the podcast, uh, all good pla- all places where podcasts can be found. All right, and finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for a Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Twitter, or you can go to my website, moveyourminute.com. So, until tomorrow, I'll have what she's I'll having. I'll have what she's having. Gave me a thrill With all your faults I love you still It had to be you Wonderful you Had to be you